The Courage to Lead, episode 167. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Dr. Eugene K. Choi. Dr. Eugene is a certified transformational mindset coach, helping talented, heart-driven leaders operate at their highest levels of clarity, energy, and focus. With a background in clinical pharmacy, neuroscience, and business coaching, his unique science-backed process along with the use of groundbreaking technology, helps entrepreneurs figure out how to dramatically improve performance, innovate dynamic solutions, and achieve their goals. His articles have reached over 9 million people, and he has helped hundreds of leaders significantly transform their results at both the professional and personal level. Dr. Choi, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is excellent. So groundbreaking technology. I, I definitely want to get into that. Uh, you oh, know, what, sure. you're, what you're finding, how you're using that, how you're helping your clients and everything like that. And 9 million people, you've reached that. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's uh, aspirational for me. I want to reach 9 million people. That's yes. uh, It's still surreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the power of the internet now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I want to come back and talk about all of that. But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Yes. Uh, listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio. Where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his TV um, or Hollywood stars from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Dr. Eugene, if you're ready, 10 questions. First question What is your favorite word? Uh, I'm just going to spitball what comes to mind. Uh, love is the word that comes to mind for me. Very good. What is your least favorite word? Can't. What turns you on? Deep conversations about life, quantum science, neuroscience. Yeah. Nice. What turns you off? Superficial conversations. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, the sound of a bath running. Mm. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, construction vehicles came out to mind for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. What is your favorite curse word? Bullshit. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, nothing comes to mind because I left behind pharmacy to do the profession that I wanted to attempt, which is, yeah, helping other people. Is there anything okay. else? Airline um, pilot? Astronaut? Uh, let me say, uh, yeah, astronaut, actually. I've always wanted to see what the earth looks like from space. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. What profession would you not like to do? A D DMV worker came to mind. <laughs> oh. Boy, I can tell you some stories. Yes. Okay. Good job. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, the first words that came to mind was good to see you again. Yeah. Awesome. Good to see you again. All right. Well, it is good to talk to you again. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, definitely have a lot of questions for you on, on what you do and how you do it. We want to talk about how you got your start, who you help, how you help them. And at some point, we'll talk about courage and leadership. Absolutely. Okay. 
All right, so listeners, we're going to talk about all of that and more right after this, so stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Dr. Eugene Choi. Dr. Eugene, thank you again for taking time out to uh, to talk to us. You're out on the West Coast, are you? Yeah, I'm originally from the East Coast in New York City, but now I'm in the West Coast, yes, in California. Awesome. Very cool. So... You've got your doctor of pharmacy degree. Yes. How did you choose pharma? Is that something that you intended? Is that something that's in your family? How did you choose pharmacy? Uh, it was something I intended. It's because of this green thing called money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up pretty poor and uh, it got a lot of press at the time for being a great career choice because you get a six-figure salary right out of graduation. Um, and I'm also Asian. So, you know, Asian American dream, right? You become a doctor, <laughs> lawyer, or accountant, or that third one usually changes a lot. But uh, I didn't want to be a doctor, uh, so I chose pharmacy as the next best thing. Less time, still six-figure salary, and uh, that's kind of how I ended up choosing it. Honest, if I'm being honest. Yeah, a lot of lot of detail around being a pharmacist, though. You know, it's not as easy as people think. Yeah, a lot of memorization. It's a lot of memorizations, and you're basically the doctor and nurse's guardian angel because it's yeah. that medication that can kill people. Absolutely, and it's it can be the uh, what do they call it the contra. Um, indications, indications, right? Yeah. Interactions, those. contraindications. Yep, yep. There's a lot that goes into the thought process behind. Wow, it. and that's a what a four-year, five-year degree? Uh, it's a six-year degree that I was in. Uh, but if you go the traditional route, it actually is eight years, four years undergrad, wow. four years grad. Yeah, but I went through an accelerated program. Yeah. Wow. And then you walked away from it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> After three years of practicing, I walked away from it. Yeah, yeah. I quit. Well, after graduation, you traveled quite a bit, right? And you tell the story about how you almost lost your life. Talk a little That's, bit about that. What happened there? Yeah. Um, so during college, I, I was, I guess I had my angsty teenager moment uh, in college as well. Uh, a lot of soul searching, trying to figure out what my life purpose and all that, all that jazz. And uh, I did that through traveling. Um, one of the travel, and it was a lot of humanitarian trips. Uh, one of those trips being in uh, Brazil, uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, well, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Brazil, uh, Rio de Janeiro, uh, where the slums are, there's a lot of slums there. They're called favelas. It's one of the most violent areas in the whole world due to gun violence, uh, a lot of drug trafficking. And um, just to give you an idea how young these kids are, uh, I remember when I would go in, one common thing you see is little kids flying kites. And it's cute, but when you turn around, you see two pistols holstered in the back of their pants. So uh, a lot of them are drug involved with the drug trafficking. Uh, and I volunteered there for a month. And uh, the first day I was there, I was in the middle of a gunfight. It happened two more times. Basically what happens is the Brazilian SWAT team comes in and they fight with the drug traffickers. And it happened three times while I was there, particularly one time that I was there. Um, I stepped out after we thought the gunfight was over. And uh, one of the drug traffickers turned in a corner as soon as I stepped out and pointed the gun right at me. Wow. Uh, you feel that heart jump into your throat, like kind of like when you're in a roller coaster, that happened right then and there. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that was the first 
time, like it felt like a life-threatening scenario. And I, I share that story because um, it relates to a lot of what I teach with uh, clients is we actually operate in that same exact state for a majority of our lives. Uh, mm. we're a fear reactive um, yeah. mode. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, fortunately I didn't get shot um, because I wasn't the SWAT team uh, and he moved on. Uh, but that was the first time I had a gun pointed at me. Wow. Hopefully the last time. Yes. 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 Hopefully last time. Ever since wow. then, I'm not a fan of guns at all. Like yeah. going to the shooting range, that kind of stuff. Um, personally, I'm just not a fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've seen that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. What, what can, can happen, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. and that's gotta be, uh, I mean, I can't even imagine the fear that runs through you and things that go through your mind at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just frozen in fear. I was paralyzed. And um, yeah. And then you, you, the other thing is the culture shock. You go back home and then you hear friends complaining about the boss they don't like or the new car part they want to buy. Right. Uh, no judgment around it. It's just, you know, different, different environment. Absolutely. And then I just got really jaded, like coming from like a poor like area, first a third world country. And then um, going back to life in my first world country. Right. Yeah, exactly. First world yeah. pains. Um, is that what got made you or, or prompted the transition over to the. Yeah. So uh, experiences like that started opening up questions. I didn't usually ask, uh, um, you know, I, I got really jaded and so after a lot of experience like that, you know, I've done a lot of work overseas, like, like that. Uh, and after doing that throughout like my young adult years and finally graduating college, becoming a pharmacist, uh, I just got really jaded, you know? Uh, it's kind of like that clock in clock out life. Uh, you go in, you do your job, you leave, and then you're expected to, right. Just do that for the rest of your life and retire. Uh, I just got really jaded because, um, there was a couple of reasons. Number one is it's interesting. Cause like the most life I found was in those types of areas. Hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. They were more hmm. happier. Um, yeah. You know, like, I just remember like, one of these trips, you'd buy a kid some candy or something like that. And their first instinct is to open it up and share it with you. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and versus my uh, New York City bubble, right? Which is we're just busy hustling. Mm. We wear being busy like a badge of honor. Yeah. And the level of connection wasn't as deep as I wanted it to go in my environment. Um, so that that got me really jaded. And that, that just had me ask more questions about like, well, what does it really look like to live a more full life, to live a more courageous life even, right? To be able to honor the things that are deeply important to me, um, let alone figuring out what that is. And that was half the battle too, right? Getting clarity yeah. on that. So that started a lot of um, soul searching, so to speak. And I just took it one step at a time with that first step being, you know what, after three years, uh, I had this opportunity to join these three fr uh, new friends that I made um, to become a filmmaker. Uh, so I asked my wife, what do you think about um, quitting my job and going on a cross country road for a trip for two months, see the country mm -hmm. a little bit, and then settle down in LA and try this filmmaking thing out. Talk about courage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and that's, that was the first transition of many more to come. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, transformational mindset coach. That's, that's pretty deep. That's intense. That's working with people on a totally different level. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so what sparked all of this um, long story short was, you know, I went into the filmmaking stuff 
And we found a lot of success with exposure there, right? So uh, multiple things we worked on went viral. Uh, biggest project that I worked on got 23 million views online, nice. uh, worked with various celebrities uh, in the Asian American community and all that good stuff. Uh, but we ran out of money <laughs> and uh, I had to go back to pharmacy for a little bit. Kids came into the picture, benefits, right? I uh, managed to work my way up to become a supervisor. I remember sitting there one day going, well, you know, I left behind the filmmaking thing, but I'm starting to realize I didn't like the actual act of filmmaking. Uh, to give an idea, that video that I got, uh, we got 23 million views on. It took me seven months, basically, to edit it. So it's very labor intensive. So I was just like, well, what is it that I really like anyway? It's like, well, it's the storytelling aspect of it. Think about it. As adults, we love sitting in a dark room at a movie theater to be told a story for two hours, if you think about it. And it's a question of, well, why do we like that so much? It's because I'm about to ruin every mainstream movie if people don't notice this already. But every mainstream movie, it's, it's you have a main character, has a problem. And overcomes that conflict, puts in the work to overcome that conflict. And at the end of the story, the trans there's a personal transformation that the main mm -hmm. character goes through, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And I realized, oh, that's why we love sitting and watching a story, because we crave that same sure. level of transformation internally. Sure. Even if it's to the point of fantasizing about it while watching a movie. So it started with this question of, well, can we make this happen in real life? Because we're the characters of our own story, aren't we? And that's where I just started diving deep into that. Well, how can I create some practical, tangible solutions that you can make this happen in our own life, not just in the movies? And that's where my healthcare background came full circle. I discovered brain science, uh, quantum science, dove deep into the science of that. And that was the big aha for me was, oh my goodness, people just understood some of these basic principles of how our brain works, why it behaves the way it behaves. Uh, you can tap into these parts of yourself that you never even realize were there that can maximize your performance, your critical thinking skills, your creativity, the list goes on. Uh, and it's an actual skill you can develop. It's something nice. you can learn how to do. Uh, and that's where my science background came back uh, full circle. Uh, and yeah, that that's that's kind of where different labels get thrown at it, right? Mindset, performance, um, and it goes deep. It's It's what happens in yeah. In, in between your ears that, that it comes down to at the end of the oh, day. Oh, absolutely. Everything. Everything that happens and, and not just what happens, but how you react to what happens, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So who do you work with mainly? Yeah. So uh, it, this is still surreal to me, but it's, it's come down to a lot of leaders. A uh, good handful of my clients are owners of multiple, you know, seven figure businesses, uh, have all those nice labels, right? Inc. 5,000, whatever, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Uh, some of them are influencers uh, and sometimes even political leaders. I got to coach a mayor last year of all people so that was cool yeah cool and do they find you do you reach out to them how does that work a lot of them found me yeah through through those uh nine million views that i got on my articles nice. yeah yeah very cool yeah. good stuff and yeah mindset is that is that the big thing that holds people back keeps them limited is it their mindset yes yes it comes down to the lens that we are seeing things through because of, as a result of our brain, uh, everyone's brain is programmed differently. All of our realities are different, by the way. Your reality is a very different reality from mine um, because of your unique life experiences you've had. And um, the thing most people don't realize is our brain gets very easily fooled into what's real. How do we know this? You ever been in a dream and you thought it was real, right? So that 
starts this philosophical debate of like, what is real then, right? Um, but the way I approach it is just like, well, then what if that means the things we believe about ourselves that aren't true are actually not real then? Your brain just got fooled into it. And that's mm. usually the case. And that's what that's the thing that makes or breaks the result, right? Um, yeah. That you're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah, when you think about it as a, as a kid, you don't want to go to school one day. So you say, oh, I don't feel good. I have a stomach ache. And after a while, you actually do get physically sick because you've talked mm-hmm. yourself into feeling that way, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, why aren't maybe the things that we're seeing as, as limiting us are really just things from our own imagination? Oh yeah, this is a can of worms. But, uh, but one of the things that I, I, I speak into about that is um, I, I, sh- I share it from a scientific perspective. Um, there's a study done by Harvard uh, by a neuroscientist and he had a group of uh, piano players come in and had brain scans tied to their head. They had them play a piece on the piano for multiple hours a day for a period of time to see which part of the brain lit up when they played that piano piece. So now they did a second exercise. They had the same group of piano players this time do the same uh, piano piece, but they're not gonna put their hands on the keys. They're not gonna play it. They're just gonna imagine playing the piece. And the brain scans were identical. Wow. Um, which shows that the brain does not know difference between imagination and reality. And there's a lot of uh, research like this. It's really fascinating because it's that whole mind over matter kind of debate, right? Uh, where another, another study showed where they had people pull a spring with their index finger to measure how much muscle strength it would increase by. They had a second group of people just imagine pulling that spring. What was predictable was the people actually pulling the spring got a 33% increase in muscle strength. But the other group that just imagined it, they, that they didn't expect, still got a 25% increase in muscle strength. So your body wow. does respond to your brain because, you're, because your brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. Even though you imagine things, sometimes it will record it as if it's really happened. And I'm a pharmacist. 30% of clinical studies usually result in a placebo effect. It means mm-hmm. even though you're not taking the actual drug, you get better simply because you believe that you're, you see what I'm saying? Like the, the rabbit hole wow. goes deep with this kind of stuff, but um, this, this is stuff like behind the scenes that fascinates me and I go deep into it. Wow. Um, but yeah, your brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So it, it's, it's this question of, well, what do you make real then for you? Yeah. Well, and that's why they tell uh, neuro-linguistic programming. They say, you know, when you're talking to yourself, if you say something, oh, I'm stupid, your brain, your subconscious mind will produce all these things to support that, that you are stupid. Oh, look at your family, <laughs> you know, look yeah. at the people you hang out with. Right. And all these yes. things. So don't, your brain doesn't know when you're joking. Exactly. And we think 70,000 thoughts per day and 90 to 95% of those thoughts, same thoughts every day. Hmm. And a majority of them is a negative thought about yourself, by the way. So think wow. about it. We get to a point where we're doing it on autopilot without us telling our brain to do it. You brought up the subconscious. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. It's doing it without you telling it to it. Just like, just like you're not saying I need to put my left foot forward, my right foot forward when you're going down the stairs, right. your brain does. I'm stupid. I'm not good enough on autopilot. Um, yeah. And that's when it becomes your reality. Yes. And why is that though? I mean, somebody, you know, when I was in elementary school said something to me and at some point I must've bought into that and agreed with that because that Correct. stuck with me. Right. Correct. How do you overcome that? Oh, yeah. So um, the first thing I'll share about that is the thing to understand about our brains is um, when, you, when you're born, you have 100 billion brain cells that you're born with, but only 20 billion connections between those brain cells, synaptic connections. So uh, this is why as babies, when you're born, you don't know how to do much, right? We can't speak. We can't right, walk. Uh, but by the time you're about seven years old, you still have the same 100 billion brain cells, but guess what? Now there's a quadrillion connections between those brain cells. That's 15 mm-hmm. zeros. So your brain gets rapidly developed as a kid. 
So here's the thing to think about, though, is your brain is rapidly recording information in that brain, such as factual information. This is the color red. This is the color green. But what most people don't realize is you also record meanings you give to experiences. For example, if you get bit by a dog at four years old, now you might form a belief, you interpret it as a kid, that all dogs are dangerous, so you never want to play with dogs ever again, even though it might be the friendliest dog in the world. So that's why that happens. Our perspectives about life get recorded early on in our life. If you watch your parents go through a hard relationship, you might form an opinion or perspective that relationships, good relationships are hard to create. And you literally create that reality for yourself throughout your life because your brain is actually only trying to focus on information based on your perspective. That's what a bias is, right? right. Um, you have something called your reticular activating system. Uh, the easy, simple way I like to explain what that is, is like if you've ever had an experience where maybe you wanted a car and the next day you're driving on the road, you see that exact car everywhere on the road. Mm -hmm. It's not because there's more cars out there. It's based on the intention you're carrying that your brain focuses okay. on that information. So now that can work for you or it can work against you. Because if you're operating from, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart, I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. Guess what your brain's doing? It's going, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I will only focus on information to realign that aligns with this perspective Correct. that you're carrying and literally filter out the rest. Because guess what? Your brain is filtering out 90 to 90%, 95% of information at any given moment. Wow. That's a lot of information we're missing out on, even though, and that's usually where the opportunities and solutions are. Um, but it's, it's a survival mechanism for yeah. it. Otherwise, you'd have major ADD. You wouldn't be able to focus. Well, exactly. Exactly. So it is a survival thing. But bringing it back into business, mm -hmm. the, the leaders that you work with, yes. what, are they, what are they struggling with? Is it those limiting beliefs? Is, it, yeah. what, is that mainly? Yeah. So when you carry these limiting beliefs about yourself, uh, it affects things in so many ways. Because so just like I talked about that filtering thing, right? They literally can't see solutions and opportunities around them that can be the very thing that helps them get what they want in their business mm -hmm. and in their life. So one of the ways I teach all of this is there's certain, so there's certain core fundamentals we need to understand about the brain uh, when it comes to being able to maximize your performance, your business growth, right? Your creativity, your innovation, your empathy um, is your brain really only operates in one of two states. It's what's called a survival state and what I call an executive state. So your executive state is where all your superpowers come from, okay? Your, your critical thinking skills, your right, everything we need as a leader, your empathy, your intuition, your uh, creativity. Uh, however, um, the survival state is that when you're here, it's, it's one or the other. Your brain can only be in one or the other. When one's on, the other's off. So, but when you're in a, surv a survival state is when it's the mode as if your life is in danger. Imagine a tiger in front of you about to eat you. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what a survival state is. You enter into a reactive state. Uh, the thing... Uh, you, to understand about that is you're reacting without thinking, okay? okay? Because if you start thinking and you're in a life-threatening scenario, you might die, right? If tiger's in front right. of you about to jump and pounce on you, if you sit there and start thinking, it might, you're, you might already be dead. Right. So it's a reactive mode without thinking. This is where a lot of leaders make mistakes, isn't it? We do the thing we regret mm -hmm. or we said something we regret. Uh, it's because we reacted without thinking. Right. Uh, so if you look at any scandal out there, there's some sort of survival mechanism going on there. I can guarantee it. So the thing to understand when it comes to leadership and performance is um, we have to be aware when we're actually in the survival state because research shows that we're in the survival state more or less about 70% of our adult lives. So that means for 70% wow. of our adult life, we're not accessing our critical thinking centers, our problem solving skills, our intuition. We're just reacting. Skills. We're just like robots, the walking dead. We're just wow. reacting on autopilot. So if, mm. if the thing, though, is why is that? 
is even though your life's not in danger, then what are we surviving from? It's from emotions we don't like feeling. Yeah. And to prove a point, if you were to reflect with yourself, how often do we feel anxious, afraid, frustrated, annoyed on a daily basis? Then guess yeah. what? Your brain's going to go into that survival state that cuts you off from the part of your brain that you need. So that's the first thing to understand, right? Most people aren't even aware of that because the awareness yeah. conversation goes deep. Too. Well, you don't really think about that subconscious and how it kind of drives everything, exactly. right? Like you said, you don't think about getting dressed. You don't think about driving the car. You don't think yeah. about it just happens because you've done it so often and it's just kind of part of that subconscious mind. But then the rest of it is also subconscious. Is, wow. Yeah. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do this. No one likes me. No one's supporting me. I'm alone. Yeah. The, the list goes on and on of what people might be doing subconsciously in terms of a belief construct that they're carrying because of an interpretation they gave yeah. in their childhood or in their experiences they had in their life. And the, the path of least resistance, right? The, exactly. the synapses, the, the connections that you've made yes. along that line of I'm not good enough. I'm not. Yeah. That's where you go because that's the easiest path to go down. Right. Yeah. You can't think of the other options because. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. In neuroscience, there's a saying that uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. So, so <laughs> yeah. if you do it yeah. enough times, it just gets faster. And fa that neural pathway, the, the, yeah. electric, the electrical activity that's conducting, right? The more it wires together, it happens faster to the point where it just becomes autopilot. It does it, it does it very efficiently. So we become professional. I'm not good enough people professional, right? I'm not smart enough, capable enough. I'm, I don't matter. Uh, we just become very efficient at doing that on autopilot because that path becomes path of least resistance based on how long we've been carrying that neural circuitry in our brain. Wow. So how do you counteract that? How do you, is there, do you, an exercise you give to your clients to help yeah, them yeah. go through that? First and foremost, it's a uh, name of the game is awareness. You can't change it if you're not aware of it. Most people aren't even aware, right? So uh, the example I always give, if you have a piece of broccoli between your teeth, how do you have the power to remove the broccoli unless it comes into your awareness? Someone has right. to point it out to you or you see it in the mirror. So first thing I have to train people in is just being aware of it. So what does that mean? It means we need to be able to see what survival actually looks like. It's very obvious. Survival mm -hmm. state's very obvious when you're in a life-threatening scenario. It's it's because your brain only knows how to do one of three things, the survival brain, fight, flight, freeze. It's a fight, flight, freeze response. In a life-threatening scenario, very easy to identify. You're going to pick up a weapon to fight off that tiger, or you're going to run for your life in flight, or you're going to freeze uh, by playing dead. Uh, possums are famous for doing that because their predators right. like their food alive, right? So if they play dead, they wouldn't get eaten. So, But the thing is, we're still doing the fight, fly, freeze response. It just looks differently because what we're doing for a majority of our life, we're surviving from an emotion we don't like feeling because we view that emotion as a threat because research shows that emotional pain is just as can be just as painful as physical pain. So how do we survive from these emotions? It's the same fight, flight, freeze response. We just be, need to be able to identify it and see it. So what does fight look like in emotional survival? Sometimes the obvious ones are uh, someone says something hurtful to you and now you're taking a defensive stance. You're defending yourself. That's a fight response versus trying to listen and have a conversation. Um, you know, I'm from New York City and now in California, road rage. Classic oh, response, yes. right? Oh, Someone yeah. cuts you off, you flip your lid, you're upset. Now you're trying to cut that other person back off without any consideration about the, around the drivers around you, right? right. Uh, so that's classic fight response. You see, the thing to also be aware of is subtle fight responses. It goes deep. These are the ones that I'm saying is on autopilot for a lot mm -hmm. of people. People who feel the need to prove themselves mm -hmm. to someone or themselves. That's a fight response. Mm -hmm. uh, perfectionists. Yeah. 
That's a fight response. People pleasers. That's a fight response. You see, because that's a fight response and it goes deep into our subconscious. I give examples because sometimes it makes it more tangible, right? So I had a client once in his 60s, had everything you thought you could want on paper. He had the multi-million dollar business. He had right the nice house, everything. And he's still feeling very dissatisfied with his life. And I'm teaching them about the fight, flight, freeze response. And he's sitting there going, oh my God, my whole life was a fight response. I'm like, yeah, what do you mean? It's like, well, I work so hard fighting to accomplish things, right? Because everyone always compared me to my older brother. His older mm-hmm. brother was an NFL football player, by the way, where he was sharing me, with me the story that his football coach, when he was a teenager, literally said to him, don't even try. Like, don't bother. You're not good enough. You'll never be as good enough as your brother. Yeah. So he felt the need to fight to prove that he was quote unquote good enough, whatever that meant. Right. And he spent his whole life disengaged from life. because he was so busy trying to accomplish an accomplishment. And when you get that accomplishment, it's not everything you thought it would be, is it? Because the trust issues are still there. All the issues are still there. And I can guarantee you the fight response always, always leads to a lack of fulfillment and burnout. Because you're going to burn out at some point because you're just so busy fighting. Uh, in entrepreneurial space, this is what we do, don't we? We react to all the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity by trying to fight and figure out our way out of it. And it leads to burnout and we're short-sighted and we can't see the full range of information that we need to see to actually come up with a better solution. So anyway, that's the fight response uh, to become aware of that. Flight response is uh, avoidance, right? Procrastination is a classic response. I'm avoiding the task I need to do now. Uh, because there's some sort of limiting belief there, right? I'm a, uh, what will people think if I do this now? What if I screw up? What if I'm not ready? What if I'm not capable? Uh, and that's a way of surviving from the task at hand by procrastinating, by fleeing from the task. Sometimes it's actual physical avoidance, right? You see that boss that you didn't want to talk to at work, and then you're literally running behind the water cooler. Uh, that's a classic flight response. Uh, the subtle flight response is when we start to numb ourselves. We do it regularly. Uh, one thing I like to say a lot is there's no judgment around every, any of this. Everyone has their own numbing mechanisms. Sure. We all do it. Uh, some people like to binge watch television, Netflix. Some people like to eat, eat a tub of ice cream. Uh, some people like to overindulge in things like alcohol, sex, drugs, to the point of addiction. Uh, the thing to just be aware of is that's a flight response. We're fleeing from the feeling we don't want to feel. Mm. Um, and lastly, it's a freeze response. Freeze response is inaction. Uh, sometimes it's like when you get caught in a lie your eyes widen up and your heart actually slows down because it's your brain going, if I pretend not to exist right now, maybe this person will stop interrogating me, (laughs) right? So that's a freeze response. And uh, a classic one of that is also inaction when we just don't take action. We wake up in the morning and we don't want to get out uh, because uh, it usually happens from overwhelm, from being overwhelmed. So that's the first thing. It's just sit there and go, how often are we actually in a fight, flight, freeze response in one way or the other? It goes deep, doesn't it? That, that is way deep. We could talk for hours on this. Yeah. Man. Yeah. We think it's conscious wow. action, but it's subconscious yeah. reaction and survival state. And we can see it in other people, but we can't see it in ourselves. Right. Correct. Correct. Uh, the mm. fight one's a popular one in the leadership yep. space because a lot of people have hurt, pain, trauma, and they feel the need to prove themselves. So they're hard workers and it doesn't help the world rewards hard workers, even though you're burning yeah. yourself out because they pay you more. Right. right. Uh, so it's good to be conscious of that. Um, yeah. And that's the first step is just to be aware. Some people wear their hardworking, right? They say, I'm a workaholic and they wear it like a badge of honor. Right. But I say like, what are you fighting for that? Yeah. Mm. Cause that's what you're fighting. That's a great question too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, do you work with them on setting new goals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, goals is such a cliche word now, right? Um, yeah, I, know, I know, but I do. Yes. Yeah. Long story short, it's, it's about, well, what do you really want? Yeah. Most people don't even know because they're, they're so busy in survival. They're busy right. doing that thing, keeping their head on and working and they, they never really actually think about yeah. what they want. Yeah, and what, so. what made me think about it though, was you were talking about how our subconscious mind works, right? When we say something, our conscious subconscious mind is trying to either get that information for us, prove that information to us or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, studying neuro-linguistic programming, we're taught that, you know, if you say, I want to be better, you'll never actually achieve that goal because you've told your mind, I want to be better. And so better is, you know, you have to keep moving towards it, right? You never actually achieve that because you haven't set a specific goal. You're but creating I want to be a reality better. for yourself. Yeah. And so yeah. you just keep yeah. moving, keep moving, keep moving. And so I can see that how people will get burned out thinking, I need to be better. I need to make more. I need to have more. Well, yeah. Yeah. where does that end? If, if you don't actually put a, a specific goal or target on Correct. that, Correct. it's just that the, the, um, and I'm, I'm lost, loss of words in that that realm of just continuing continuing to try to approach yes rather than arriving right? what's really important is context so uh using your example i might say i want to be better but i would have to dig a little bit i'm like what do you mean by that yeah because better when it comes are you referring to your value as an individual i want to be better mm -hmm. because what i view about myself is i'm not good enough yet so the, what where I want to be is out there. And because I'm here, I'm not happy with myself. And I don't actually like myself where I'm at now. You don't accept yourself the way you are. If that's the case, then you're right. It's going to be an endless battle because it's not even real. How do you measure your worth as an individual? How do you be better as an individual? You just are who you are in any given moment. So you see where the suffering happens for a lot of people is they mash these two things up that are totally separate. There's the aspect of your essence as a being, so many labels for it, call it what you want, right? Your spirit, your soul, your essence, but there's you as an individual. And then there's this world called skills and competencies. We have to keep them separate, but the moment we tie them together, that's when all of this stuff mindset is like, right? Like that's when it's a mindset conversation because you're tying your worth to an accomplishment. And then if you're going to go down that rabbit hole, you're never going to be happy no matter what you accomplish, right? I've been there. I accomplished this. What's next? I don't even celebrate because I'm constantly believing I'm never going to get, I'm never going to be enough. Right. Yeah. So if you separate those two things and when it comes to goals, if it's a skill or competency, easy. I want to improve my coding skills. I want to improve my emotional intelligence skills. I want to develop a coaching skill. Skill or competency can be measured. Right. Right. Uh, but that's important. It's, well, what does it mean to be better? So I have to make sure I distinct, distinguish that because then I can see, is this an actual strategy conversation? Because I'm versed in that, right? Like yeah. strategy and business growth and all that. Or is this a mindset conversation because you're in a survival state right now? You're reacting nice. to some sort of thing you're, you've been carrying your whole life that you actually believe you're not enough. And your way of surviving to this point was to just work more, do more. And yeah. it comes out as language as I need to do better by doing more. Right. Because if you're with yourself and you sit with yourself, you don't like it. Mm right? Because that's the relationship you have with yourself. You actually don't like yourself. So you're constantly in a survival state, if that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, Man. I don't know if that answers the question around. Oh, that. absolutely. No, it's 
like I said, we could talk on this for hours. Yeah. And I may have you back just to dive into this a little bit. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the podcast is about courage, right? Mm-hmm. Where did you find the courage to create your own success, leave the comfort zone of the nine to five? Where do you find the courage to get back up after a, a setback, a divorce, a death, a bankruptcy, yeah. something like that? Yeah. You had a career as a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And you said, this isn't fulfilling to me. This isn't exactly what I want to do. And you stepped away. That takes courage. It does. Where did that come from? You know, if I look back on it now, um, where does it come from? Um, one of the things I always say is if you look at the act of courage, like imagine someone laying their life down for another, um, man, this is very recent, um, uh, a church, like five minutes away from me, um, there was a shooting, um, uh, an Asian, Asian man, um, shot six other people, um, mm. in Laguna woods here. And the doc, there was a doctor there in that crowd that threw himself on the, uh, shooter to, and it saved the lives of other people. Uh, but he sacrificed his own life as a result. You see, when I study all of that, of where this courage actually comes from, I a hundred percent of the time I see gratitude is behind the scenes. We sacrifice for what we're grateful for. And guess what? Gratitude and fear can't exist in the same time Mm. it's one or the other gratitude is an executive state quality uh fear is a survival state quality right so if i were to look back on my life what helped me do that there was an essence of gratitude there of all of the things i've been learning all of the things that i have been growing all the people that have been supporting me that helped me develop the courage to continue following my curiosity that there might be more to this reality that i'm currently living that i'm feeling so stuck in so um, if I were to dissect this down on like, where did it come from? It came from a willingness. Uh, if it's okay, I share a story around, Absolutely. around this yeah. is, you know, I once got to get trained by this amazing coach, a life coach, her name's Rhonda Britton. And I have to give context about her story um, just to really show the depth of what I'm talking about here is um, at 14 years old, she was going out for Father's Day, Father's Day brunch uh, with her sisters and her mother. Uh, their plan- parents were in the middle of splitting up. So they live separately. And dad pulls up to the front of the house uh, picks, to pick them up. Rhonda and her mom are out in the yard coming out to get in the car. Dad gets out of the car, heads towards the trunk, says he needs to get his coat, opens the trunk, doesn't get his coat, pulls out a shotgun, walks over to mom, says, uh, yelling at her, this is all your fault. He's very upset, clearly distraught, proceeds to shoot her, points the gun at Rhonda. Mom was still alive. He didn't know it. So she's screaming, don't do it. They didn't know she was alive. So he points the gun back at mom, pulls the trigger again, looks over at Rhonda, puts the gun to his own head and then pulls the trigger. Murder, suicide, 14 years old. She was the sole witness in the front of her house of a murder, suicide between her parents. So you can imagine how traumatic this is for an individual. And she went into full survival mode, fight, flight, freeze. How did she fight? She kept their grades up at school, thinking maybe if I keep my grades up, maybe this pain will go away at some point. How did she flee? became an alcoholic behind the scenes. And the biggest form of fleeing, she tried to take her own life three times, tried to commit suicide three times. And you see, um, she was in that survival state and suffering for so much of her life. But one day, you know, she turned her life around. She became a coach and she became this amazing coach helping other people with their lives. And she ended up on a television. She had her own reality television show in the 90s that won an Emmy award. She's been on Oprah twice. And she turned her life around. And why do I share her story? She said something that shook me to my core. 
And she said, until you're willing to be every wrong about everything, you know, nothing will ever change. And I'm highlighting the word willingness. I'm not here to say to people, everything, you know, is wrong, but I'm highlighting the word willingness. Are you willing to be wrong about what you feel is real? That's what gave me the courage. It's that's where it came from. Am I willing to be wrong about what I think is true about my life? That life sucks. Life is hard. I grew up right in a broken family and all that kind of stuff. Am I willing to be wrong about this so I can make the transformation in my life that I'm craving to begin with? And I would say that's where it came from. It's just simply being willing to be wrong. Because how often do we try to hold firm with our biases? And are we willing to be wrong about it? Are you willing to be wrong? That's that's Wanda was willing to be wrong about life sucks that I'm alone, that the world is a horrible place. The world sucks. She was willing to be wrong about all that. Sure. That's where that courage came from, right? To be turning. Well, that opens you up to see, see more, see more than you can. You see, that's the thing when you're in survival state, you can't see. Yeah. You literally develop tunnel vision. Um, I had a client once, uh, he was debating with me. It's like, no, sometimes you still need the survival state. You need it. Because he, he was sharing this and he's just like, um, so anyway, he, he built uh, Inc. 5000, the fastest growing company in America, that, all that good stuff. Rock bottom, classic American dream story. He hit it rock bottom. Second wife is divorcing him because she cheated on him. The first wife cheated on him too. And he still had to pay child support, like 2,500 bucks a month in child support. Um, lost all his money. And he was, the way he was sharing with me, he's like, look, if I didn't keep my head down and my shoulder up bashing through brick wall after brick wall, I would not be where I'm at today. Sometimes you need that fight. He was debating it with me, right? You need that survival state. You just yeah. need to keep your head down and fight. So I was just like, okay, I can see where you're coming from. And I was just like, look, this is not about what you should have, would have, could have done because the past is the past. Right. And I just want to have a thought exercise together with you because here's how survival state works. You literally develop tunnel vision. Because if a tiger's in front of you about to eat you, you're not sitting there going, oh, let me examine all of my options. Right? You're going, oh my God, <laughs> right? I'm about to die. I'm just going to fight, flight, freeze. Right. But when it comes to a non-life-threatening scenario where no one's holding a gun to your head, I asked him a simple question. I use this analogy right back at him. I'm like, what if when you get into an executive state, it's what gives you the empowerment to put your head up and your shoulders down for just a moment. And what if what you see is those brick walls you said you're bashing through were only three feet wide and you open mm. up your mind because you're seeing all this other information your brain's been filtering out in the, in the survival state. You could have just walked around the wall or maybe there's 20 other options that you actually had. You see when as leaders, when we're in that survival state, you just can't see a lot of these other options, right? Leaders yeah. who have fear of, am I a good leader? Because survival state, it's all about the pronoun is I and me. Right. But if I'm not a good leader, me, 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 because that's what the survival state is, because your brain thinks your life is in danger. It has to focus on you. Yeah. So this is why our empathy is turned off. So anyway, yeah, when we're in that survival state, we literally develop tunnel vision and we can't see the things we need to see that actually has the solution, the answer, the opportunity. Wow. Deep stuff. I knew we were going to have a great conversation. <laughs> I knew it was going to be deep, but this is this is very cool. Yeah. And it's the exciting part is the science shows you how to develop this as a skill nice. to activate that executive part of your brain. Very cool. All right. Before we run out of time, tell me about your podcast. Yes. So the podcast takes these things deeper. I try to keep it as a, I, I try to make it entertaining and fun and easy to understand and more importantly, uh, easy to implement. Uh, so it's called the Neurohacking Podcasts. 
uh, I, I take these concepts deeper. I share more stories, uh, narratives, and all that good stuff. Uh, and that's that's what I've been trying to actively work on more to get more active uh, episodes out. But I do have a couple up already. Very cool. All right. Well, this, like I said, this is, this has been great. And I want to have you back because I definitely want to deep dive into some more of these things. Because this is something that I think people do struggle with, that mindset. We limit ourselves. And there are ways to get outside of that questions you can ask yourself when you're starting to feel those things that can kind of bring you out of it. Exactly. So you can see those other episodes. Yeah, you can't access your courage if you're in the way. You see what Absolutely. I'm saying? Survival state's about me, me, me. Courage is not about you. Courage is selfless. Fear is selfish. Courage is selfless. That's a, something my mentor says a lot. Awesome. Um, and that's so true. So yeah. we have to get out of our own ways if you want to tap into courage because it's inside yeah. of us. We just need to be able to know how to access it. And I agree with that. I think everybody Feels has that. the courage inside, right? Courage is, is feeling the fear, but doing it anyway. You exactly. have to keep, you know, and it's it's an action. Um, you can you can feel or think courageous thoughts sitting on the couch, binge watching Netflix or something. Mm -hmm. It's the action that makes it courageous, actually getting Correct. up and doing things. So 100%. Yeah. All right. Dr. Eugene Choi, thank you so much. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? What's your What's your website? Yes, uh, my website is uh, uh, destinyhacks.co. Uh, so they can get in touch with me there. I have a free training that you can sign up for if you want to learn some more deeper stuff about this. Uh, that shows you the science behind how to activate um, those parts of your brain. Uh, and that's where mostly you can reach me. Uh, or you can always email me. It's eugene at destinyhacks.co if you want to email me directly. Awesome. And are you active on LinkedIn? Uh, I am uh, active on LinkedIn and Instagram. Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right. I will make sure all of those links are in the show notes so people know how to reach out to you, get uh, to your website and everything. And yeah, sign up for that. That would be great. Very cool. Thanks again for taking time out. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. No, definitely. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking a lot of notes. Uh, look for the uh, links in the show notes and make sure you follow uh, Destiny Hacks co right okay and share this episode with your family friends and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming that's it for me coach harlan saying so long for now